don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? What up, everybody? This is like the fifth time I've recorded this intro, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call this one it. Uh, wrap it up with this one because I'm kind of sick today. I stayed home from work, and I don't feel like continuing to record this. I don't know why I do this every podcast. So simple. Do a little intro, and instead it takes me like ten fucking times when I just need to say some simple stuff, and I keep redoing it. Anywho, uh, today's guest, I'm so excited for you guys to hear. Her name is Jillian Gibbs. Uh, She was in town in Austin, and we were able to sit down at this beautiful old hotel um, and record this podcast. Uh, She started off as actually a singer um, and as an assistant um, in a company, and now she's the CEO of a 100-person advertisement uh, firm. So just an amazingly uh, infectious personality, so happy, uh, full of knowledge. Um, So, um, And she doesn't hold back from saying stuff... uh, that is, um, you know, risque and things like that, which is what I love about having people on this podcast. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you all had an amazing Thanksgiving full of pie rolls, beer and butter. Um, and, uh, I will see you guys next week. I'm going to be posting every single Wednesday until April 1st is a new commitment to myself. Um, so you guys heard that now on here and now I have to hold myself to it. And if I don't, then you can send me angry, angry emails professing how you have lost all and total faith in myself as a podcaster and as a human, because I didn't stick to it. What pressure. So, all right, guys, I hope everyone is doing well. As always, you can find me alexstar.com, email me alex, alex star, Instagram, Facebook, yada, yada, all that good stuff. Enjoy the show and see you guys soon. Hey, Jalen. Hey. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Alex. We're here in your uh, piss hotel room. <laughs> yes, it has a lovely smell. The hallway literally <laughs> smells like pee. So this is great. This is a good choice. <laughs> I'm leaving soon. Hopefully. I know. <laughs> tomorrow. One leaving more day tomorrow. of pee. What do you think of Austin so far compared to Denver? Because oh. a lot of people are moving oh. to both of those cities. Yes. What do you think? Austin compared to, well, the, the weather here is very humid. So in the positive side, it's good for my skin, <laughs> my course, hair. That's a point. But in Denver, where it's much drier, I have to say the weather is super nice. There's no mosquitoes. There's no humidity. The mosquitoes here are huge yeah. and there's tons of them. Yeah. And every day you get up and you're like, oh, it's going to be so nice today. And then it just like sticks to you, the weather, like the air just sticks to you and you're walking outside just like, Ugh. Yeah. And it's October. I expected I it to be a little cooler. I know something. It was, and I went for a walk this morning along the river. Yeah, which is the Colorado River, ironically. Yeah, but not the same one. But not the same one. Not, they just named it that to trick people. <laughs> I don't know why confusing. they did that. How could you name a, two rivers the same name? That doesn't make any sense. You'd get uh, lost if you were looking at a map of the U.S. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, so. We are, what are you here for? You're here for a specific conference, right? Yes, the Women's Presidents Organization. Okay. It's a, it's a women's group of CEOs. It's a global group. There's about a thousand women in it. Uh, and the, the concept is that, um, if you own a business that is a certain size, uh, that you have similar issues. So you, the groups that they pull together, there have, there are no competing companies. So you can have someone manufacturing, someone in marketing, someone in oil and gas, telecommunications, you know, just different companies all in the same group so that you can, uh, share experiences about your business growth. Without there being like competition. Right. Is that no, why? Right. No competition. Yeah. Is that, what's the difference between when you get a group of women together like that? How does the dynamic change between that or when there's, when it's co-ed? Well, that's a really good question because because I've never been to an all women's business group before. Things that we talk about that are you would just not believe. <laughs> like I what? You got to give things yesterday. You got to don't give names, but you got to give you got to give a good I, example. I um, learned about um, re. Can I say this on? <laughs> we, oh no, no, this is this is like I got the um, on iTunes. I have the explicit content thing. Like 
I just told you I had some polyamorous that like I was okay, sleeping okay, with right. on there. So yes. talk about anything. Reju- rejuvenation of your hooch. <laughs> that's what you guys. T- <laughs> yes. That's what you guys talk about at these things. <laughs> yes. Um, what do I mean? There's lots of things that 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 affect women as we. That definitely affects women more than men. <laughs> no, it does affect men too. It's very good for men, apparently. To rejuvenate their hoochies, <laughs> the or for the men, men if the woman rejuvenate their hoochies, it's the, good for the, the men. The man enjoys it exactly. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, so this is what goes on behind closed doors at <laughs> CEO business meetings. I can't believe I shared that. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of things that we can all relate to, and it's about life, it's about uh, love, it's about spir- spiritual in some way. It's um, it, it's all business. It all comes back to the business. But you know, when you're running a business, it affects your life. You are your business. Mm. So the personal part is so important too. And we have a lot of laughs. It just it's when you're when you're with people who you can relate to who are dealing with the with similar things, you can feel comfortable to share more mm-hmm. and so we just let loose mm-hmm. and when we dance we sing and we get a lot of work done as well and really challenge each other so that our businesses can grow and so that um we challenge each other on on many levels um for example if you're saying you know i'm not sure i can do this you know the 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 the, the group just rallies behind you and right. supports you and and five four three two one yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mel Robbins, anybody listening, you got to get out there and do it. Yes. Exactly. Just do it. That is, it's so important to have that, um, you know, they always say like, oh, you're the combination of the closest five people that you hang out with. Like, you know, those kind of like cliche mm-hmm. sayings. And I don't know about you, but I always heard those, you know, and you hear these cliche things and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, cool. And then one day you actually do it and you're like, oh my God, I just had this personal epiphany. I figured it out. And then you realize that it's just this cliche that everyone's been telling you your whole life, but it took you like to realize it, you yeah, know, to yeah. experience it. But the people that hang around you, um, it's interesting. Like, have you heard of memetics? No. It's no. like genetics is when, you know, you pass on information biologically, like, you know, through your genes. Mm-hmm. Memetics was something coined by Richard Dawkins, and it's when you pass on cultural information. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like when you transpire, like, your thoughts or your habits and stuff, and you pick it up on mm-hmm. other people, like, mm-hmm. when people have good vibes. Mm-hmm. And so, like... When you look at the world like that and you're hanging around a bunch of other people that are like motivated go-getters, like building businesses and stuff, um, it literally like um, – it's like a virus, yeah. a positive virus mm-hmm. that infects you. Mm-hmm. I, I can I, – I've had that happen to me where people <clears> – <throat> how do I say this? They they um, want to be around me so that they can get a little bit of what I have. You know. Mm-hmm. And I have an infectious personality, so I'm told. So the 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 laughter, the the positive energy, uh, the success breeds other people who who can do the same. And, and that's one of the things I tried to do. Though I, I look at that as a very positive thing because if you can show, if I can do it, and I can show you that I can do it, then you can do it too. You know, you should feel well. If Jillian can do it, then I can do it too. Yeah, I'm just a normal person. Is that true? Can everyone be a CEO of a company? I think, well, yeah. If you, yeah, if you put your mind to do something, you can do it. I can believe you can do anything you want to do. I think the most important thing to do in your life is to just whatever you decide to do is just to be the best at it, mm. because it's so rewarding for you to 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 do something that you enjoy and to be the best at it. So you can keep striving. That's something that my parents instilled in me. Just do. Doesn't matter if you're a janitor. Doesn't matter mm. if you're a school teacher. Doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a company. You just do the best that you can do. How, have you gotten off track of that before? Where I may not have been doing the best. Yeah, for like a like a phase in your life, or have you always been doing your best, hundred percent? No. Um, <laughs> well, I have been doing this for so long. I've been doing. Um, Production consulting in some form or another for 25 years. Uh, and before that, I was um, singing. And singing so, and dancing on a cruise ship, so I if did, I'm not mistaken. I did sing and dance on a cruise ship when I first got out of college. I studied opera in college, opera and advertising. Opera um, yeah. and advertising? Because I wanted to sing jingles. <laughs> I'm Hold on. I'm pretty sure that jingles and opera... 
Isn't that an oxymoron? What do you mean jingles well, the, for opera? Classically what is that? trained singers learn how to sight read music, and when you go into a studio to do advertising, you're on you're on the clock. So you have an hour or less to record the song and leave. So if you can't read music, you can't get in and out quickly, and then you're costing the client a lot of money. So okay, you so. to study music. <laughs> Unless you have a really good ear. Okay, so you studied opera and what was the other thing? Advertising. Opera and advertising. So you can sing jingles. So you can sing jingles. And I've never done that. <laughs> so were you saying that there were times where you weren't singing jingles to the best of your ability? <laughs> yes, well, I realized very quickly that though I was a good singer, I was not a good sight reader. You know, if you put a piece of music in, in front of someone who's a really good sight reader who can read music, pick it uh -huh. up, and they just they just pop it out right on the spot. Whereas me, I say, can, okay, what's the starting note? And can you play that for me again? And okay, I have to hear it over and over again. And maybe 10, 12 minutes later, I can do it. But I can't, I can do it instantaneously. A lot of people who have perfect pitch can sight read really right. well because they can just see it. And, right. That's a, like a, that's a skill some people have. Yeah. And you're born with that or you're not. Did you, um, so you were trying to do the opera thing. At what point were you like, you know what? Let's just scratch the opera degree and we'll just stick with advertising. Well, like, I do you didn't ever, do that. You know, I, did. I stayed with it. Did I what? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the, I got a follow-up question. The, um, okay. So the, the, I just like take a few steps back. So the reason that I studied opera is because I am um, a first-generation college graduate in my family. So my parents didn't go to college. My dad didn't finish high school. And so when it was time for me to figure all that out, I'm the oldest of three kids, they, um, I was, it was my senior year. It was actually in the middle of my senior year. And I, so, you know, today that you, you think of college as a sophomore in high school, right? Um, but I was yeah. so late in the process, so late in the game that I had to pick something to study quickly. And I also um, couldn't afford college, so I had to get a scholarship of some sort. So I happened to be a really good singer and my voice teacher in high school Ken Gardner, uh, helped me to audition and, um, and get into college. Now I, I skipped eighth grade. So that means when I went to college, I was young, I was 17 and your voice gets more mature, the older you are. So when I was auditioning, they said, oh yeah, you have talent, but you got to wait a year. Right. I was, I was so bummed. But then as luck would have it that summer, I got a, a, another letter from the college saying, oh, somebody's not coming. So you can come on time in August. And, and I went to Ithaca College, upstate New York. And I picked up advertising as a minor because while I was working in New York City during the summers, I was, this is going to get really weird, but I was working as a Perfect. detective <laughs> on Wall Street. <laughs> and I was a plant by a security firm in a Ginny Mae company on Wall Street. <laughs> and the one of the people that so my job was as a detective i know we're going from opera to detective but no please a, yeah. <laughs> there the i discovered that there were people you know dealing drugs doing drugs taking from the supply room that was the extent of it it wasn't really much more complicated than that okay um, but one of the guys that um was doing drugs became a really good friend of mine <laughs> why and, uh, <laughs> for a specific reason there <laughs> And then he moved to Colorado, and now you know Colorado. And yeah. yeah, so um, <laughs> so he and I super friends. He he left Wall Street after that job because he kind of lost his job, and then he went into advertising. Did you make him lose a job because you <laughs> ran him out? Ah! We're like best friends for our whole life, so so we're still best friends today for I don't know how long that is thirty years. Um, so so. So that's how the, the I, I got back into, I picked up a minor when I went back to school after mm -hmm. that summer in advertising, just so that I have something to, to fall back on. Advertising was your fallback. Yes. So at this point in your life, you were doing opera and detective work. <laughs> and now, exactly. 30 years later, you're the CEO of like this massive advertising mm -hmm. consulting mm -hmm. firm. Mm -hmm. um, okay. The detective thing has so much going on there. <laughs> it's just a summer job. <laughs> For how many summers? One summer. Just one summer. Yeah, yeah. And they just like hired an 18-year-old to be like, yeah. we're going to put you in Wall Street yeah. to see a, who's doing coke? Yeah. 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 I, I, by who? The FBI? Who was it? I don't know. Did the local New York police? Of, it was a private security company that, that, that planted people like me into these companies to so just befriend people. And, and Were you allowed to night? do coke with them to like in order to... No, seriously. <laughs> no. 
Because aren't I mean, you like? Because like, if have. you're undercover, like you know, if you're undercover in the mafia, like you might have to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it wasn't that advanced. Um, I could, I guess, I could have. Yeah, should have taken advantage <laughs> of that. When you had the chance. <laughs> but what they you did had, was, you had the you had the blessing. It was I got paid from the the Ginny May company on Wall Street, and also got paid from the securities firm. So I had two paychecks. It was really sweet, sweet. And it's at seven o'clock every night. They'd get it. They'd call me, and I'd have to be at home in a private room and give them the, the and download the yeah. The debrief of the details of the day. Who's snorting nose candy? And then candy. when I went back to school, which was Ithaca, was like four and a half hour drive from New York. They were um, sharing all the findings with the corporation who who brought who had hired the security company, and there were some questions. So they wanted to fly me with via a helicopter from Ithaca to New York City. I was I was eighteen, nineteen years old, and I was so scared. I was like, really? And I got out of that, but so I never had to go. What in the world? Be deposed. I don't know if anything. they have these jobs anymore. <laughs> they probably do, but nobody knows about them. Yeah. So when did you jump into uh, so then you did the singing and dancing on cruise ships? I sang and danced on cruise ships, uh-huh. sang a bit in New York. I did seven off Broadway shows um and got a job temping in creative agencies. I worked at Ogilvy and Mather and McCann Erickson, big agencies. And that's how you went down this trajectory. Yes, yes. That's always fascinating to me how it's like how, how some seemingly insignificant parts of your life just yeah. skyrocket you down this other path that you weren't considering. Just because you're a part job. Yes. temp job. Yes. That's a really good point. I ended up getting a job with one of the clients of the ad agencies at Unilever and, and uh, in their advertising department's supporting the head of advertising production and i was his secretary and now i'm running a business that does what he what he taught me to do it's crazy do you ever look back and like and and wonder like how that all happened i think yes i do that a lot actually um and as as i've gotten older and i've shared my stories it's it's um i think it i think you make it happen I think I made it happen. You know, you, your opportunities present themselves and you have to step up. You know, when, when, when Al Tennyson, my mentor, retired, he was 72 years old. I was 25. And I went into the powers that be at Unilever and I said, okay, now Al's retiring. And I'd been his secretary the whole time. They called me his assistant. And uh, I said, I'd like to take his job. And they chuckled, that like, you know, two men in business suits. And, and they actually s- said – well, what what's it going to take? And I, I said, well, I just need an assistant. I need somebody to be the role I was in. And then I could do this. And they said, we'll give you a year. And I did it. I, I at 25, created a new way of working with the with all the Unilever advertising agencies and um, developed a, a modernized sort of what Al was doing because I just had a knack for it. So I was I I was learning in school when I and when I was singing on the cruise ships and performing in New York City how production works right how a director works how uh-huh. a, how an actor works how the blocking and the stage management and the lighting and the cameras and the production of the whole thing comes together. So when I was working at Unilever for four years under Al and he was teaching me about being behind the camera, it all made sense because I was in front of the camera a lot already. I had been performing and I just had a knack for just being efficient, you know, like obvious, you know, like growing up in New York City, growing up in Brooklyn, you learn common sense, you know, Mm -hmm. you learn how to walk down the street. Street smarts. Exactly. And um, my parents taught us all that. And, and, And so in business, I realized that a lot of people do things just because that's the way they always do it. And I had no problem saying, why are we doing it that way? Mm. Like, why, why, for example, th- and this is, this is like sort of the, this one thing happened at Unilever that made me realize there is a whole world out there that we can really make something better. We can really help the advertising industry to work smarter. And that was, there was a, there were two commercials that were going to be shot. And one was for close-up toothpaste and the other was for whisk laundry detergent. And they were being, they were bidding the project with one director and the director was in Westchester, New York, and he wanted to shoot it in a house on location. And the, the agency was J. Walter Thompson. It was, it was same agency, but the agency's creative team for the close-up ad was different from the creative team for the laundry detergent mm-hmm. ad. And the, the producers were different. The whole team was different. So because I saw all the productions going on everywhere, I said, why don't we just do this together? Why don't we do the close-up ad and the toothpaste? We'll just rent the same house. 
you both want to work with the same director. So let's just use the bathroom for the close-up commercial and the and the laundry room in the backyard or the front yard for the laundry detergent commercial. And and they said, well, we've never done that before. And I said, well, um, I think it makes common sense. Am I mis- <laughs> it's, like, it's like one of those things where you just go, That's, am, just I, am, I, am I missing something? Like, then we can cast it all at the same yeah, time. You know? yeah. yeah, and And we saved about 30% on the cost just by bundling it like that. And that was the aha moment. And it's, but I had gone to the chief marketing officer at Unilever and I said, you know, I, this is what I want to do. Does this sound crazy to you? And he said, no, I think it's really smart. I said, would you support me if I go back to the agency and say, look, the CMO wants to do this? And he said, yeah. And so I went back to the agency, had to do it. And it was just w- wow. And still today, that was like, that was a long time ago. That was 25 years ago. Still today, agencies don't work that way. They don't really bundle their productions because they're assigned work in silos. So the close-up team was assigning their agency. It was inefficient. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of have to have that central point of coordination to figure out the efficiencies and optimize the whole production. And then my business was born because of that. Because of that. Yeah. Do you, you were talking about um, like seizing the opportunity. First of all, Kudos to you for being a badass and walking into that office. At <laughs> 25. I would say you have balls, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, chutzpah. Or I was, yeah, chutzpah, yeah. Or, uh, never mind, I was going to say an improved hoo-ha, apparently. <laughs> yes, let's tie it back to that. Um, but, I mean, seriously, you were 25. Like, that's pretty fucking badass to walk into the office and be like, I want that job. Like, how much of that, like, how much of people's lives do you think are missed opportunities? And, like, how much of yours would you say is based on just saying fuck it and going for it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think we Is that the pe- biggest people- thing? We- yeah, go ahead. Is it the butt? I was going to say, is that, like, the biggest thing you think people can change is to just, like, yeah. do the, like, we were talking about the five, four, three, two, one act yeah. kind of thing where it's just, like, on my head sometimes I'm just like, oh, fuck it. Like. Just do it. Yeah. And what's the worst that can happen? Really? So you so you put it out there. That, nothing's going to happen if you don't put it out there, right? I guess the worst that people think can happen, and myself included, is they just go, what are you talking about? You're 25. No, we're not going to let you try this. Are you crazy? And then people talk about in the office that you don't even work at anymore. Like, it wouldn't have really mattered. In 20 years, it's not going to matter. But I guess we're all stuck, like, in, like, this little prism we have of, like, oh, if I act, look, then I'm going to look stupid and da 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 Well... <clears throat> You said if I act and look stupid. One of the things that we, that I think being an actress taught me is that you can dress the part before you have the part. So go on. If you if you if you I used to go buy two suits for seventy nine ninety nine in on times in Times Square and and go to the office in these like beautiful two piece suits as an assistant. So I was wearing the the wardrobe of the position above me. Right. And I think and I think that. I could see myself in a leadership role. I could see myself taking over for Al. And he and he said, I want to mentor you so that you could learn how to do this because I think you have, you're good at it. I think you have a knack for it. So when I went into those guys and I said, this is what I want to do, uh, they didn't have an alternative at the moment. And they, they didn't have a lot to lose because I had already proven myself right. with, with um, the agencies and with Al and, and, and with them. So – in four years, I ended up staying there another four years um, when I got married and moved away. Uh, so I was there for eight, maybe nine years, and the and it was just kind of pushing the envelope. They they allowed me to do that. So if people are, surround themselves with people who give them the chances, right? If you can get just one person to give you a chance and then another person to give you a chance, you start to realize that you, you, the more you ask for, the more you get. The more the more you um, lean in the more you and I hate to just use cliche things now that but it's cliches true. and those are true for a reason it, like they're true. around for a reason yeah, right? yeah it's like, so you you lean into the opportunity and make the most of it and you can my mom used to say because I there's a period of time in my life where I used to get uh, really anxious about making a decision because I didn't know if it was the right one I didn't mm, know which path you get like to a take. paralysis and like choice paralysis yeah. or decision paralysis yeah. and then can't do anything you're frozen mm. and she used to say. Well, just choose something, and then if you don't like it, you change your mind. And in many, many instances, that is true. You can do that. In some, you can't. <laughs> but, but in 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 more 
in, more often than not, you can you can just choose a path and then change it if you if it's not working out. Yeah, and that's I think a lot of people, um, I guess, suffer would be the right word, but like a lot of people struggle with. Even on the mundane decisions of where should we go to eat, I hear couples all the time be like, where should we go to eat? And there's, I don't know, you pick, I don't know, you pick. Do you want sandwiches? Do you want Chinese? Do you want that? Do you want this? And no one makes a decision, you know? And that's, that's kind of a, a mundane, um, example of that. But I think it also like builds on that where then it's like, gosh, should I just stay here? Should I move to that new city? You know, or yeah. should I just go talk to that cute person across the bar? Or should I not? Or should, and then you just, you just kind of don't make any decision, which is a decision, and nothing happens. Well, I think it's too cerebral. Then, like, if you're thinking too mm. much, you're not. You don't. You can't figure out how you feel. So, if you, so let's use dinner for as an example. If somebody says, "Let's go to dinner," you say, "Well, where do you want to go? I don't know where do you want." Well, they say, "How? What do you feel like eating?" Yes, yeah. What do you feel like? But if you say, "What do you feel like?" You might say, "You know what? I feel like sitting outside." Okay, that's narrowed it. That's narrowed it down because now we can sit outside, find a place to sit outside. Well, what do you feel like now? What do you feel like tasting? What do you feel like eating? What do you feel like drinking? Do you want to, what kind of atmosphere do you want? And what kind of food do you want? And that kind of helps narrow it down so that you can make a decision. What about when you don't feel like working out, but you have, but you should? <laughs> that's just going back to the, just get up and do it. <laughs> you yes. have to do it. You know. At least three to five days a week. Yeah. <laughs> Not every day. Yeah. It gets, <laughs> Take yeah. a day or two off. That's okay. okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to have at least one day off Sundays. Yeah. Um, when you, like, you said earlier that um, your parents instilled in you to always be striving towards something, no mm-hmm. matter what, and always be doing your best, mm-hmm. where did where did they get that from? Well, it, And they, why was it so important to them? Just because they're in New York? Uh, yeah, I think because my, they both come from working class families who, um, you know, my dad was a janitor, I mean, in a, in a elementary school. Mm. And so, and he didn't have a high school degree, a high school uh, education or a college degree. And, and, and yet he can be proud of the work he was doing because he excelled at what he was doing. He he thought, you know, the relationships that he had with the teachers and the students and the parents, the the quality of the cleaning that he did, the 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 way he was responsive to the the calls that he would get for help for issues in the mm. winter and in, in uh, New York it gets really cold and icy and snowy and he had to go in really early to take care of those things and so his He's very proud of making a safe place for the people who were in that building. And that's such a different way of looking at a janitor's job, you know? But, you, yeah, it is weird because we have, you know, we have um, janitors at, like, the lower end of the social um, ladder, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, it's, yeah, it really just comes down to, like, are you proud of the work that you're doing? Mm-hmm. That's right. right. That's right. Whether and being good to people around you. My, right. my dad used to say, be good to the people on your way up because you're going to meet them again on the way back down. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I mean, it's about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you get ahead in, in, in life, I think. And and that's what makes um, your your work, your personal life so rewarding is the relationships that you have. It's that, yeah, that's so true. And Tammy, who is sitting here with us, she talked about that a lot too. We talked about it a lot on our podcast too. Is the, and I think it, it's easy for that to be, to slip away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, the focus on relationships, I think, a lot of times money gets in the way. I think um, just people's lives get in the way. And then I even hear, you know, I'm 28 and I hear it from people already where they're like, I just, I don't, I don't hang out with the same amount of people I used to, or mm-hmm. I just, I don't stay in touch with them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and it's easy to, like, I think a lot of people get, get lonely. I know people who have gotten yeah. lonely because, um, they didn't make relationships a priority mm-hmm. because I think we're all like distracted by other things mm-hmm. and we don't realize that it's really simple if you just focus on the relationships mm-hmm. with people to mm-hmm. just have such a good life, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think that you don't have to have relationships with the same people forever. It's okay to... To, to go through right. relationships, yeah. right? People are in your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. You've heard that before? No, but I like that. It's Yeah, the season meaning, you know, it's, it was for the summer. Mm. Um, a reason meaning they're in your life for as long as you need to learn a lesson from them or, or they're learning from you. And then a lifetime friend is very rare, um, very special. 
um, and has sometimes many different lifetimes within it, right? The different different ways the relationship changes. Yeah, they're incredible. Like they're incredibly dyna- dynamic and complex. Like you know, different friends for different reasons, different mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. One friend that you'd want to go on a road trip with, but another one you love just as much that. You wouldn't want no, to, but you'd, yes. but you'd want them around to <laughs> go to the movies. Go to the movies. movies. You yeah, love movies, exactly. or just like people you'd want to talk about certain topics with, and other ones you don't, and yeah. some that kind of come in and come out of your life, and like it's incredibly complex. Yeah, you can't um, get everything you want from one person. Right, it's too much pressure anyway for any individual to give you everything that you want. Right, that's why this whole, you know polygamy thing works <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were married no not married <laughs> no i was married oh, not for 20 years no too much pressure <laughs> too much pressure yeah to get for to the, get everything one you person, need from yeah. one person is is a big task yeah that's mm-hmm. true um but yeah building that up so how do you maintain? Because you have you have how many employees working at your company? How many? One hundred and fifty. Yeah. Okay. So and they're in twenty on. different countries. So oh, really? Staying connected and building relationships with all of them, knowing their names, interviewing them, being part of the process, being accessible, um, so that building a, a culture or an environment where everybody feels connected. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that people say about uh, when they're in the company is they're just so thankful to be a part of such an organization where everybody supports each other and feels like a family, mm-hmm. even though we're so far apart. Well, how do you do that? Really hard to accomplish. How do you do that? We bring everybody together once a year so they can meet each other. So where was they, the last meeting? Somewhere cool? It was in Denver. Oh. <laughs> it was cool. It was, cool, yeah. <laughs> it was in Nashville two years ago. We okay. try to move it every couple of years yeah, to yeah, somewhere yeah. cool. I don't know where it's going to be. We haven't Austin. decided where it's going to be. Austin. Austin. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. In June? Is the weather okay? No. <laughs> no. Nope. Maybe not, Austin. What about Raleigh? Ra- How do you pronounce Raleigh, that? North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah? Heard good things about yeah, there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've been there. I'm trying to think of some other cool cities. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Bend, Bend Oregon? Bend Oregon's supposed to be really be cool yeah. in June. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. And they have a lot of breweries. We are looking at Detroit, though, because we have a 15 people there and okay. a wonderful client. And- they're having a resurgence. It's just they are, yeah, yeah. Great new hotels and things like that. Um, yeah. So how do you say, so like so you're at the top of this, and I always think of you know businesses. Of course, are like organisms, right? It's like this entity that you've somehow conjured out of mm-hmm. the magic after you know doing the temp work and stuff, and now here you are, 25 years later, doing this, yeah. right? Started off singing and dancing on a cruise ship, and now here you are. Um, but like, how do you manage being like you know? I guess you could say if you're looking at like an organism perspective, like the brain of this this organism. It's um, it's very um, – it's a living – you have to treat it like it needs care and nurturing. It needs water. It needs food. It needs exercise. And the – and building and creating that culture because that's the way I am. It means that you have to reach out to people and people have to feel that they are important and that they're valued and they're part of a bigger organism. They're part of the whole And it can very easily fall into, you know, somebody is, a lot of people work from their homes. We have about 20 people in Denver, 15 in Detroit. We have four physical offices. So most people, we're in 36 cities around the globe. Most people work from their home or they go into the client's office. Mm. So you can have, you you could risk having somebody who's sort of in the satellite, like in Las Vegas or in Nashville or in Miami, where we have one person in each of those places that they could they could sort of start to create their own thing and do it their own way. And so what we've done is we've when we interview people we say, you know, kind of gauge between their autonomy like how how they're able to be autonomous mm-hmm. and work on their own and be a self-starter and that needs to be balanced well with I love to be part of a team. You have right. to have both those things going right. in order right. for this to work. Cuz if somebody goes off on their own and they just get in their own thing, they could they could um they could lose touch with how the business is evolving. Right. We're learning from each other. So that I think they find it rewarding to stay connected because then they become better at what they do. And so we do it via this annual meeting. We do it via monthly huddles, we call them. You know, get together and huddle uh, uh, or cuddle. <laughs> and it's all on the phone. And we use Zoom, which is a video, you know, um, sort of conference thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a... Uh, 
And 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 I encourage everybody to turn on the video rather than just be on the Zoom and not turn on the video, so we can right, see each so other, we see each other, and we connect. Yeah, I mean it's a whole it's, it's a whole cultural thing. It's like a, you have to have an ethos. This is a way we work at this company, and we reach out to each other, and we share, and we support, and and uh, and the more you say that, and then the more you do it the more it becomes part of the culture. And then I was going to say, the more you do it, I would imagine. Because you hear a lot of bullshit sometimes with companies. Yeah, it could and be all you, talk. And then, yeah, then you see how they act. It's not allowed. And you're like, it's not allowed. <laughs> no, it's not allowed. No, if somebody is, is not contributing as a team player and, and, like, for example, just this week we had a huddle. And um, I presented the picture of the globe and all the little push pins on the globe of where we're located to remind everybody we just met in June now it's October how important it is for us to stay connected so we brainstormed on ways that we can stay connected we have a we use um workplace mm-hmm. um which is a facebook thing for business mm-hmm. and it, and i said you know there's some people that post all the time on that and they're great articles and you can't even keep up with it it's there's so much posting going on but there's only a handful that do it all the time and the rest of us i can see you know 23 people have seen this 80 people have seen this but nobody's liking it nobody's interacting so that's one of the things i said is like uh so thank you for those people who are posting and those of you who are reading everything could you please interact yeah and then sure enough and they're like duh you know and i do it in such a way that is friendly and supportive and fun um and and they and I saw it already within a day. I, I saw changes. You know, they're they're contributing and they're saying thank you for posting that. You know, rather than just making it a passive experience, they're more they're interacting with it. Right. So yeah, you I mean it's it's crazy because you have you've built this um, like a little species, like you said, it has to be watered and and like mm-hmm. exercised. And you know, when you say things like everyone has to be their own entity or like, you know, they have to be a self-starter, but they also be part of the whole. Yeah. That's exactly how like, you know, your body works too. That's you know? true. I mean, like everything has to completely act on its own, but it has to be a part of the entire unit. <laughs> well, it's just interesting to me how like humans, like we create, the things we create completely mimic the natural world already. Yeah. And this is advertising. It has nothing to do with the natural world. And That's yet we, we, everything like follows these set patterns. Yes, yeah, true. You know, of like how it has to work with 150 people. Yeah. Well, it's all energy, right? It's right. all the, the how much how much energy you put into something, you're going to get out of it. Um, you know, if you don't if you don't put energy into into developing a culture, you're not going to get culture. If you don't put if you don't put expectations out there, you're not going to get people meeting your expectations. Right. right? So it's all it's all communicating and relationships, and that's how you do it. What about for like being a, a leader? What about talk to me about like. <laughs> Talk to me about that. <laughs> More specifically, what are like the biggest – how have you fucked up as being a leader? Let's start oh, with that. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, I'm – I think yeah, I'd ask my team that. Um, <laughs> I would say that my, my – you know, I have a little bit of um, founder syndrome, you know, where I get involved in things I shouldn't. Oh, like anymore. micromanaging kind of stuff? No, don't use that word. I hate that word. <laughs> no. Hate it because you do no, it? No, no, or? no, no. I don't micromanage, but I need to know certain things in order to to um, help steer the company, right? Okay. So I kind of, sometimes I have to drop down into the weeds just to understand the real problems and the real opportunities so that when I go back up into the trees, I can I can be a visionary, so I can right because the stuff that like the the soldiers on the battlefield are dealing with, you're not seeing right because you're in the front. And I need to feel it. Like, tell me, I like need to feel it in my heart. Like, what happened? Right, what happened on that production? Why didn't the client do what you asked them to do, or do what you suggested, or why did the agency push back? And how did that feel? And what what did what did what did you do about it? Like, help me understand what the challenge is here mm-hmm. for us. Because in our role, we're sort of sitting in between the agency and the marketing team. And the agency often feels, why are these people here? You know, like, we have the relationship. The agency has a relationship with the marketer. And we feel like a, a third party just kind of asked by the marketer to sit in as a subject matter expert. And it takes a while for an agency to believe us and to trust us that we're actually there to support both parties mm. so that they can get things done efficiently and effectively. And um, and when they do, it's a great symbiotic relationship between between them. But I'd say as a as a leader, as as I've grown in my role and I've and I've, you know, the company started with just me. And as we've as we've grown, I've had to consciously um 
think about the evolution of my role. Like, what do I do now and how do I change and how do I help the leadership team to be empowered? And the hardest thing for me, and I think where I fail biggest is in um, trying to uh, communicate with a with a senior person who is perfectly capable and who I trust, trying to uh, get out of them what I need to do my job, right? To, to, without feeling like I'm asking too many questions and mm. trying to micromanage or get into their shit. I don't want to do that. I just want to, I, I need to, I'm a very tactical, tactile person like mm-hmm. i need to feel it i need to experience it i need to i have the experience myself almost so that i can talk about it um and so that sometimes feels invasive to a person <laughs> but it's coming from a wonderfully good place that don't right. need to be invasive so that balance i haven't found yet i haven't figured out how to do that well i mean that's an incredibly that's uh, it's an incredibly complex um thing to do i mean just dealing with one person like we were talking about with relationships or with a few friends and kind of um you know if you go out with like four friends and you know kind of managing all those different relationships as well you know if you kind of organize a little event you know you have like four or five people over yeah. and managing all those different yeah. dynamics and you stuff like that you have to connect that. them and you have to connect them, them introduce them yes. and will that person like find that the or commonalities. find the commonalities yeah. and stuff i mean that's enormously you know complex task within itself yeah so then when you're doing it and it's like your friends but also it's like a work relationship and then where they came from and like and then egos get involved yes. with some people yeah um, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah, it's a hard. It, it's a lifelong. It's a lifelong thing. process. Yeah, I mean, you're never, I don't think you're ever going to figure it out. No, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't work with you, so I don't know if like, you're good at it or not. But I would imagine that it's just a matter of that. It's going to be a constant. Um, it's just going to be a constant improvement thing. Yeah, but it's about being authentic and saying, "Look, I don't know how to do this. I, here's what I'm trying to do, and right. if it's coming across, or you're feeling it in a way that it feels bad." or invasive, then let's talk about that because that's not what I want. And I'm, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Help me get there with you. Then I think that's the best way to approach it. So they can go, oh, okay, I see. Uh, you're not, as a CEO, people often defer to you. And so if you come in and say, look, this is what I want, they they really take it as that's what you want. Whereas with me, I'm a much more collaborative person. Like, no, I didn't really mean that's what I want. I mean, that, I'm suggesting. This, oh, is, okay. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm recommending we do it this way. But if you can do it a better way, that's better. Do it better. Right. Just, you know, tell me. Just do Don't it. Don't be afraid. Just better. do it. <laughs> just do it better. Is that what I said? <laughs> That's what you just said. Just do it. Go ahead. Do it. Well, better. It might not be better, but I have to accept that too. <laughs> There's another bad thing about me. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's important to challenge each other to all be better is what I meant. You right. Know, like, We're constantly striving like yes. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And saying yeah. that the culture, everyone like feels it's appropriate to mess up and like continually strive and mess up and continually strive. Yeah, it's okay to make a mistake. Right. You got to believe that because that's how you learn. That's a good thing. Right. Let's make a mistake together and let's just change course. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. We will. It's good and it's fun. It makes it more interesting when you take more, um, I was going to say chances or risks and I, di- I think I mean that. When you, when you look at opportunities and you say you know i'm not sure how this is going to turn out let's try it that's fun yeah that's where innovation comes from that's where better and bigger ideas come from and and it also helps you just not do things the same way over and over again you know just doing things the same way over and over again it gets so boring so why not challenge yourself challenge each other to do something different even if you don't know what it's going to be like. Do you do that in your personal life too or just mainly business? Yeah, I did do that in my personal How life. How so? <laughs> that was really personal. <laughs> I think um, I'm very unconventional in how I think about relationships. Um, you know, I just met a woman actually here at this women's conference who just got married. She's been with a guy for 17 years and, and they don't live together. They live an hour apart, which I think On is purpose? fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's what I would do. Well, I mean, you, know I, it, <laughs> you know what's funny is so um, my buddy, uh, my buddy Booster, who I've had on this podcast, like a firefighting mm-hmm. friend of mine, and who I was telling you about earlier, and he was having a lot of problems with his wife, right, before he started the firefighting gig. Because they're, you know, a pretty classic, like, domestic relationship. Take the kids to school. And, like, you know, he worked, I think, like, doing um, window stuff and then come home. 
and they were seeing each other all the time and they were also arguing all the time and stuff. So with firefighting and I'm like wildland firefighting, you're gone. Like out of those six months that we're actually working, it's like 80, 90 hours a week and wow. we're gone for like two, three weeks stints. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a micro edition of the military kind mm-hmm. of thing where you're gone on like these two, three week tours, I guess you'd call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like our second season and third season, you know, we had so much free time. We were always just talking about like, you know, everything, you know, everything about everybody's life. And he would tell me, he's like, yeah, star, you know, my relationship with my life has never been better. And I was like, really? Why? I feel like it would put strain on it for being away. He's like, no, man, no, because I miss her now. Mm-hmm. She misses me. I like, I have space apart from her that I'm so grateful for her. I see mm-hmm. everything she does like for me mm-hmm. and for the kids. She misses me. Mm-hmm. Like she sees I'm out here working to like support the family and he's like, we come back and like we have the best sex ever yeah. and like we get to hang out and he's like, and then in the winter when we're around each other all oh, the time, we start other, bickering yeah. again and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was fascinating to hear him say that, how much better and stronger his relationship got mm-hmm. because space. because he had, they had more space. Absence yeah. makes the heart grow fonder, yeah. right? You, you, and I think you need that in all types of relationships. And I think it's really unique to kind of say, for this woman to say, okay, to her new husband, you know, what he knew going into it, that they weren't going to live together. That's a really good thing. If you if you can be okay with that, like you don't have to conform to uh, the norms, you know, in the in the world or in what expectations are of other people, just set your own. Right. So when it comes to um, relationships, I think that's what you have to define for yourself too, is what, what works for us? What works right. for me? What works for you? What does that mean for us? Right. Yeah. I and think being creative in that is way is, is going to help people stay together longer. Totally. Yeah. And I think that it's been, I mean, like you know, I've had that podcast on here before with that, um, that Jessica girl. And I mean, there's just, <laughs> damn, he's laughing. There's just so much, um, there's a lot of like flexibility in all aspects, not just even relationships, but like, you know, that's why this podcast is rewrite the rules. Cause like jobs now people are working remotely for your company yeah, and relationships and things mm-hmm. like that where, you know, everyone now has the power to really like see all the possibilities mm-hmm. where before it was all dictated by like the one newspaper you got in the five TV channels. Yeah. And now it's like, mm, psych, like I can go online and see any way anybody lives in the entire mm-hmm. world. And then you look around and you go, I feel like that might kind of be bullshit the way we're doing it now for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of different aspects of people's lives. I think everyone's kind of um, waking up for another cliche phrase. Yeah. And it's okay to put refresh and actually do something different. And if you in in whatever you're doing, get up differently, work out differently, change your diet, change the people, change your friends. It's important to do that. Refresh. Refresh. Hit the yeah. refresh button. Yeah. Yeah. Recreate. Create something new. That's what keeps us interesting as humans, right? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And I think relationships should reflect that so that you have, you build a relationship where you have the space to give yourself room for creativity. And it makes you more interesting to your partner so that when you come back and you tell stories about what you've experienced, Mm. your friend who's, who's gone off and, you know, he's got tons of stories coming back to his wife, I'm sure, and she's got tons of stories to share with him. So that you become just more interesting. Whereas if you, I was dating a guy recently who, um, <laughs> Once it, yes, his idea oh yeah. of now the good stuff. his his idea of a relationship was to at the end of the week, you know, Friday you get together Friday night, he and you and you go back to work on Monday morning, so you're with each other the entire time, twenty four seven. Oh, during the weekend, you mean during the weekend? Oh, okay. And for me, every weekend, and for me, that's a lot because yeah. I'm busy and I'm traveling, and sometimes I just want to be alone. Mm. I just need some space, yeah. and sometimes I want to be with my friends or my family. So. That's not, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work for me. It's, it, it's unusual, I guess. I mean, a lot of people want that. <laughs> I, yeah. I think you need, you need to have your own thing going on, you know, to be interesting. Right. And you, you definitely have your own thing going on. So I think yeah. that works. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, I um, could be singing more, but. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to go back into singing, you think? I'd like, like to. I was, really? Like I, I was saying that I just downloaded a karaoke app last night to my iPad so that I could start singing again. Awesome. And I stayed in bed and sang for 30 minutes before I went to sleep. It was sort of my, instead of reading, I, I sang. And I don't know if my neighbor in the hotel heard me, but it was like 1130 at night and I was yeah, just singing right. until I fell Probably asleep. thought it was, in this hotel, they, I'm sure they thought it was ghosts. <laughs> but I they think probably, singing yeah. for me makes me feel good. You yeah. know, it's a, it's a good feeling to share. It's physically, it's a good feeling. Right. And then I love just giving my voice to someone, you know. Right. Like, so I guess that's I'm like, going to get back into it. That's like your refresh button right now or your recreation, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's an outlet because I can't think of anything else if I'm trying to remember lyrics and think about harmonies. Plus, like, I mean, advertising and, like, you know, I've been doing this job for four months, so I don't have that much uh, experience. But, like, those types of things where you're, like, you know, um, have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. Where Matthew McConaughey at the beginning, he's like, it's all like, numbers, high-end shit. Who I just saw running on the trail down here. By the way, I ran by him last week. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you meant today. No, no, no. Last leave. week. No. <laughs> looks as go. looks as good as you think he does still. Um I've met him. I was in a movie with him. What? Um the What movie? The movie was the one with Jodie Foster where they it's about a spaceship. The heck is contact. It? Yes, contact. I mean, God, I that was contact. my favorite movie when I was a kid. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I love that yeah, movie. My I'm dad and I used to watch it. it. Really? <laughs> no shit. I'm gonna look yeah. you up after this. <laughs> I have to rewatch that. That's a great movie. It's yeah, really a good movie. I had a few little bit parts and featured extra nice because i lived in dc for about two years and they do a lot of movies in, right. in dc for yeah locations yeah um, anyway sorry i got you off track. no no no, that's sweet <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, yeah what i was gonna say is like the you know he at the beginning he's like this is all numbers and the high frequency like stuff um and i think his prescription was to tell you to go jack off like oh three gosh. times a day <laughs> but i'm saying like some type of like the like creative like release to be like the the opposite and like the yin and yang kind of thing of like singing or drawing or art because yes. the business stuff and the sales stuff and all those kind of things is good but it's a, it's a it's a certain part of your brain yeah. and it's like a yeah it's just like the yin and yeah. you need something you know, like the yoga or like the creative outlet, you need something like that to balance yourself out or you're just going to mm-hmm. go into a tailspin. And- it's true. And I think getting back to the the point you made earlier about the women's group that I was with and you said, what happens behind closed doors? That's why we do that. Right. We, we, we just finding a creative way to share, you know, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, whether it's communicating, whether it's sharing little tips we want, you know, we know as women with each other is a, is an important part of that right. to have the balance you just can't be business all the time. Right. Yeah. Because you go crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jillian, it has been a pleasure. It's already been 50 minutes, oh if my you can gosh. believe it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nice, <awesome>. right? Yes. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, if people want to, you're writing, you're starting to write a book. Yeah. So that yeah. won't, when will that be out, you think? Until nine months from now. Okay. okay. So, do you know the title? Do you have a working year, title? This, maybe a year. Uh, I do not know the title yet um, okay. of this. This book is more for the um, for the industry, like a manual. Okay. Uh, and so I'm in the beginning of just putting together an outline and it, creating the syllabus for classes and things like that. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but what other ways can people find you if they want to? Know what you're up to, they can or find, me on find you for inspiration. Yes, or you can email me at. Is that what's supposed to happen now? I'm yeah, just tell it. people. Yeah. Tell J- people how they can find you. J Gibbs, J-G-I-B-B-S at A-P-R-C-O dot com. Awesome. Yeah. And then the book will be out in like nine months. Yeah. But unless you're into marketing. It's like birthing a baby. Yeah. <laughs> birthing a book. <laughs> That's cool. what we like. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. It's so great to talk with you. Cool. Later. Bye. Woo, man. She was a fun lady to talk to. I had such a good time. Uh, that is the reason why I do this podcast is because people like her, uh, that are just so fascinating, so much cool stuff to say. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, would love if you guys subscribe, if you're enjoying it, if you're not, then don't, uh, leave me a review on iTunes, share it, tell your friends. Uh, that means the world to me. I also really love getting the kind of random texts and emails from people. Keeps me going, keeps me motivated. So uh, super, super, super grateful for that. Speaking of Thanksgiving, uh, just all my love to everyone that has helped me along the way. I got great stuff coming out uh, through the winter and through the spring. Like I said, I'll be posting every Wednesday. So make sure and check back in. Love you all. Have a terrific end of the month into December, Christmas, New Year's. Love you all. Bye.